0: The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. How are you guys doing tonight? It's good to see you guys Merry Christmas. And, um, let's just pray real quick and then uh, we'll get to work. God, I'm so thankful tonight. Really uh, thankful to be able to be in your house Uh, Really, whatever building that ends up being, it's just different every week. Uh, Lord, your church is here, God. The living stones that make up the temple of the Lord is here. And God, we got to just experience your presence tonight. We thank you for meeting with us, Lord. God, as we turn to this topic, Lord, as we begin to engage our minds, um, I pray, Father, for supernatural understanding and clarity, God. I pray that you would breathe on the words that I've prepared, God. They're just dry bones. Lord, it's just dead words. God, if your spirit doesn't come in and bring life to them, God, make us a people that yearn for you, God. Make us a people that desire to know truth and desire to know you above all. So God, as we finish this series, Lord, may you ignite our hearts with praise and exaltation for your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that Jesus name. Amen. All right. I think that's my feedback point right there. Stay back here. Well, uh, we've been in a series called the biblical worldview. I think most of you guys have joined us for quite a few of those. Uh, Last night is actually going to be the last one. We're wrapping it up tonight. It's the last subject that we're going to tackle. We're going to take a little bit of time off this month. Um, So just real quick, sort of an announcement. Uh, Next Wednesday, we don't have church. There's no midweek service, but the next day is Christmas Eve, okay? So if you guys got one of these, stick it on your fridge. We're going to have a fantastic time uh, doing a candlelight service right next door in the sanctuary. Um, It's going to be a blast, lots of music, lots of candles. Um, It's going to be a good time. So if you guys would join us for that next Thursday at 6.30, right? 6.30. Uh, And then the week after that, we're going to take off because it's holidays. You guys are going to be recovering from all of the... Uh, you know, food that you're going to eat and stuff, Uh, and then we're going to start midweeks back at the first of the year, okay? So, um, also, we'll be starting a new series. As I said, this is the last biblical worldview teaching that we're going to do, and then uh, starting in January, we're going to be starting a new series on spiritual disciplines, which is going to be really exciting. So, we're going to be looking at a lot of different aspects of what spiritual disciplines are, everything from fasting to worship to giving to service, um, all those kinds of subjects, taking in-depth looks uh, at each of those subjects. So, Hope you guys will continue to join us um, on our midweeks. If you guys are new, we want to welcome you. Thanks for coming. Um, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about science tonight. Pretty excited. Um, I'll be honest with you guys, just right up front. Um, I know this is probably hard to believe, but I am not an expert in the field of science. I know. I know it's weird. Um, no, really, I'm not. I don't know anything about science. And, and so this, this was kind of like the looming topic that I knew was coming, and I'm like, oh, man... I don't know anything about science. It's going to be horrible. But here's the good news. Is the good news is this isn't a teaching about science. It's a biblical worldview teaching. Okay, What that means is that we're not going to talk about science. I'm not going to come up here and try to explain scientific theory to you because it would be really probably wrong. Um, what I am going to do is explain to you from the scriptures how we as Christians should view the topic of science. Does that make sense? How we as Christians should approach science itself That's what we're going to look at um, tonight. So there's something interesting that's happened in our culture maybe in the last 50 or more, maybe even 60 years um, concerning science that kind of puts us in an interesting predicament. Any of you watch the news, any of you on social media, any of you any kind of outlet you're going to notice the fact that there is a huge rift, a huge separation, a huge argument between science seemingly, right, in in the the academic world, evolution, uh, that side of the fence, and the other side of the fence, which would be maybe religion, okay? There seems to be this giant disconnect in our culture between science and the Bible, between science and even just religion and theism in general. Um, A lot of the questions, especially my generation, are having to deal with these enormous questions, and a lot of them are concerning science, because the secular... um, Climate that we live in now is hammering us, hammering our kids with this idea um, of, of where we came from, that we evolved, that, that natural selection is normal, it's proved, all of these kinds of things. These are the questions that are coming up uh, for us in the climate of, of where we live right now. Questions like this, uh, can you be a Christian and still be an intellectual? Okay, Uh, as funny as that sounds, this is sort of what is being pressed upon us by many in the intellectual sphere, is can you be, you can't believe the Bible is true and still be an intellectual, because all this stuff in there about Noah's Ark and all this stuff in there, about how all of mankind is traced back to, you know, a man and a woman, which is way more far-fetched than us being traced back to a monkey or primordial goo, but you can't believe that, right, because it's just too absurd. Um... So if you're an intellectual, you sort of have to shut off that side of your brain, and you have to separate out science and religion. Other questions people are asking, um, must I resign to turning off my brain scientifically to believe the Bible? In other words, do I have to not really get into science because the Bible is um, so far-fetched, they might say? Um, Isn't evolution a proven fact? Okay, you'll get this question. And, and, And people say it like it is. Teachers teach it like it is. Isn't evolution a proven fact? Isn't that the the thinking that most teachers, most professors embrace and teach is is evolution? Or how can creationism compete with the number of scientists that believe in evolution? These are the questions that that we're faced with day in and day out. And people are using science to try to derail and even replace religion. To derail and even replace religion. Christianity. 55% of Americans, a recent poll, uh, the pewresearch.com Pew or whatever, uh, did a recent poll, 55% of Americans believe that there is a conflict between science and um, religion, okay? So what that tells us is, first of all, obviously our culture is increasingly secular, but what's interesting is that most people in our country would say, yeah, I believe in a God. But when they say they believe in a God, they don't believe in an all... Uh, an all-powerful God that's in control of everything that they have to submit to, what they believe is an idea, sort of a Santa Claus idea of God, right? Um, a God that is more of a, a fuzzy feeling, right? Something that doesn't hurt to believe in. But when it really comes down to it, if we want truth, we go to science, okay? Religion is no longer the avenue that our generation in our era in our culture goes to. Religion is no longer the, the avenue that people go down to find truth. It's science, okay? Science is now... The avenue. I want to read some quotes to you just to get an idea of, of what's really going on out there. And I know you guys all know this. But here's a few quotes by a few people that are kind of the leaders of what would be called the New Atheist Movement, um, naturalistic, basically, um, people. Here's Peter Atkins. He's an atheist. He's a teacher uh, at Oxford, uh, a chemistry teacher at Oxford. He says this. He says, science and religion cannot be reconciled. Religion has failed, and its failure should stand exposed. Science, with its currently successful pursuit of universal competence, should be acknowledged as king. Okay? And what's he saying here? He's saying a few things. First of all, he's, he's saying that science and religion cannot coexist. That they must be separate. That if you are going to study science, you must set all religion aside. All ideology of, of, of a god or a creator um, and you must just pursue science in and of itself. They cannot coexist. It's either one or the other. They're separate. Okay. Uh, the next one Jerry Coyne, atheist, uh, University of Chicago teacher. He says Science and religion are competitors in the business of finding out what is true about our universe. These areas are incompatible in precisely the same way and in the same sense that, listen, rationality is incompatible with irrationality. So basically what he's saying there is he's saying that you can either go down the road of science and be a rational thinker, an intelligent thinker, an educated person, or you can go down the avenue of religion, which is ultimately irrational thinking. And the two just simply do not mix, like oil and water, okay? One more, uh, you guys have all heard of Richard Dawkins, of course. He's sort of like the the champion of angry atheists. Um, And this is what he said, Historically, religion aspired to explain our own existence, and the nature of the universe. But this role now is completely superseded by science. Okay, Can you believe that? He's basically saying that everything that religion in general used to answer for people as far as questions in life and why life is the way it is, has now been replaced by the newer, shinier, more academically um, approved science. That science has replaced Religion, as far as giving answers to people. It's insane. The scientific community has, by and large, not every scientist, obviously, but most scientists at this point in our country have waged war on the idea of a creator. The idea of theism. The idea that there is a God that created us for a purpose. They've waged war. And in the carnage and in the wake of that war is a lot of confused people. Okay, a lot of confused people that don't know science a lot of confused people that don't know the Bible, a lot of confused people that don't know what they believe, and what they've done is they've just sort of bought into whatever has been sold to them, and that is that science has answers and religion doesn't. Does that make sense? So this is kind of what I want to cue in on tonight. I'm not going to attempt to, just, I'm not going to, attempt to give you a bunch of facts about science. What I am going to do is I want to explain, hopefully, a little bit of why that is. Why is there this tension? Why does it feel like, that science and religion or science and the Bible cannot coexist? Do I have to shut my brain off to study the Bible? Do I have to ignore all scientific truth to study the Bible? If you, if you talk to any non-believers, that's one of the main questions they're going to ask. We know the Bible doesn't make sense, right? We know it's been proved wrong by evolution, right? We know scientists have debunked those things, right? They can't coexist. That's what's being told to us. And what I want to do tonight is just briefly, I want to try to unpack maybe why that is. Why there's that tension. Why there's that polarization between the scientific community and the religious community. So we're going to look at two things, okay? The first one, the, the first one is the issue that I believe um, is the core of this, and that is a definition issue. So if you're taking notes, the first reason why we have this polarization between the scientific community and the religious community, I believe, number one, is a definition issue. What I mean by that is the way that we've defined science, I believe that the way we define science today is inaccurate, that it 's wrong, and the reason that we have such a polarization between the two is because we 've wrongly decided what science is i 'm going to slap up a definition here of, of uh, this is from dictionary.com okay? um, What is science? science the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation. An experiment, okay? That's, that's a good definition of science. So basically what science is supposed to be is man's attempt to understand how the world works in the natural realm, okay? The natural realm being the physicality of the world that we live in, okay? So how are things put together? How are they composed? How do our bodies work? Why do stars burn? Why is there gravity? Why is there this thing keeping us from floating away? What makes the earth spin? observations, experiments, using those things to understand why the world is the way the world is in the natural realm. That's what science is. Now, science has given us some incredible things, right? I mean, this iPhone is a miracle, and it's all because of science, ultimately, right? Sci- some, some people over, over years and years and years of technology had to refine scientific process to figure out how to do this. Okay, And it all happened because we cultivated and understood the world in which we live in. Now, if you guys remember from prior teachings in the Biblical Worldview series, one of the main things we keep coming back to is this thing called the cultural mandate. You guys remember that? In Genesis, God told Adam and Eve to go forth and not only to multiply, but to cultivate the earth. In a sense, what he's telling them to do is not only to work and to build infrastructure and government and cities and things like that, but what he's also telling them is to go and to be scientists, because what science is is understanding the creation that God has made and cultivating it. The lights above you right now um, weren't that way on accident, right? Someone cultivated scientifically the energy and turned it into electricity, which Turned down into the light bulb. And because of science, we now have light. We have heat. We have these things because we have done what God told us to do in Genesis. To cultivate the earth. And that's what science was intended to be. We have electricity because of science. We have medicine because of science. We have uh, hygiene, praise the Lord. We have agricultural advancements. We have the ability to fly. Okay, which is crazy if you think about that. Uh, the internet, we have nuclear capabilities, which can be good and really bad. Uh, space travel. Okay, we went to the moon. All of that started because someone wanted to understand the way that the world worked, so the how, if you will, the how of the way that the world worked, and cultivate that into something that would be helpful for mankind. That's science's intent. But having said that, okay, having said that, we have to understand that there are things that science cannot do. Okay, science has its limitations. There are things that science cannot give us, such as okay, science cannot explain, number one, origin. Not organ. Okay. Science can explain organ. It's called pop, right? Um, uh, That was last week's teaching. was that last week. Now I'm off. Science cannot explain our origin. What that means is where we came from, which is really kind of funny because as you guys know, um, Charles Darwin wrote a book called The What of the Species? The Origin of the Species. And he never answered the question. He traced it back, but not far enough, right? We still don't know where, where, where we came from. We still don't understand where the first life forms came from. So what ends up coming is, is all of these you know, crazy ideas that are in, end up being more crazy than the idea of a god, right? On the backs of crystals or, or primordial goo or some aliens dropped us off and took off or whatever. And there's all kinds of stuff out there. But ultimately, science itself cannot explain our origin. It can't tell us where we came from. Um, science cannot tell us our final destination. It can't tell us where we're going. Okay? There's no amount of scientific experiments that can tell you what happens after you die. Science cannot explain morality. Okay? What I mean by that is, yes, we're all sinful, we're all um, evil in our heart, the Bible tells us that, but yet there's still this sort of code, isn't there not, within humanity as a whole that just knows certain things are wrong. We're made in the image of God, right? There are people um, that we've never met before that grew up in a different place that still know it's wrong to murder. They still know it's wrong to steal. There's this morality. Science cannot explain that. It cannot explain that. Science cannot explain love. Can it not? It cannot, there's no experiment. Now you can say how the feeling of love happens and what happens in your mind and what hormones or whatever get, get released when you feel the feelings of love, but it can't explain the why of love. It can't explain why we, why love is better than hate. Science can't explain the longing that we have deep in our heart for more. There's no experiment that can solve that. Um, Science can't explain compassion. Why we have just this, this, this compassion for people. When, when, when that huge shooting went down in Paris, our hearts just went out to them, right? And we have this compassion. When we want to get involved. We want to do something. Uh, why is that? Science can't explain that. And ultimately, the biggest thing it can't explain is our purpose. Science cannot explain our purpose. Why we're here. What is the purpose of our existence? Science can't explain things like music. Now, I can explain to you as a musician, um, I can explain to you scientifically what notes go together, but I can't tell you why they go together. I can't tell you why these notes don't go together and these ones do. I can't tell you why this song is pleasing to my ears and that one isn't. I can't even explain what music is. I mean, we can explain what the frequencies are and what they're called scientifically, but you can't explain why humans like music. If I evolved from a monkey, why do I like music? Where did that come from? You cannot answer those questions with science. Can't ex- you, can't, you, you can't explain the feelings that we feel. As humans, we have souls. We're complex beings. We cannot be understood solely by science. So there's lots of things that science cannot explain, lots of questions that cannot be answered. We as humans, we don't long necessarily for the hows. We long for the whys. I'll give you an example. So behind me, there's a lamp, and and there's this sort of this um, thing that we bought. What do you you call it? Divider, okay? And this really tacky Christmas tree that's fake. Um, Aaron put it on. Nice job, Aaron. Um, Good job. Seriously. Well done. Um, Okay, now, if you wanted to know why this was here, you could get out your measuring tape. You could come measure... Where, where where it uh, falls dimensionally you could figure out how tall it is how wide it is you could figure out what kind of light bulbs in here you could you could break down every aspect of this lamp every aspect of that tree and still not know why that stuff's there how are you going to know why that stuff's there well you got to ask Aaron Beamish because he did it and he did it for a reason and you're not going to be able to figure out why that's there unless you know the person that put it there am I right No amount of measurements and even breaking down what kind of finish went on to that room divider and what wattage of light bulb is going to explain why it's there. It's not going to explain it. You have to talk to the one that put it there. And I still don't know why we put the Christmas tree there. But who knows, right? It's Christmas. It looks good. It's all all good. Um, Humans have longings for why. Okay, we want to know the why. And science is really good at answering sometimes the how. How my body works. Okay, how wired I am because I had caffeine, too much caffeine, and it's like it's like making me crazy. Science can explain that, but it can't explain why I drink so much, right? It can't explain why because I stayed up watching the presidential debate on YouTube last night until one o'clock. I mean, science can't explain that, right? Um, I don't know why I just told you guys that. That you know, it was really silly. It was a silly debate. Um, science cannot explain those things. But in order to understand, in order to understand accurately how things work we have to understand firstly why you have to understand why they work what is the points it has to start with god real science starts with god real science starts with god in genesis 1:1 what does it say in the beginning what in the beginning what god not in the beginning science not in the beginning primordial goo not in the beginning the universe Not in the beginning, natural selection. In the beginning, evolution. But in the beginning, God. The first words in the scriptures are the most important when it comes to thinking about this. That in the beginning, God. He is the source of all that we study. Science is not understanding anything other than him. And what he's created and what he has designed. If I'm walking on the beach... And I find a watch, okay? And I pick that watch up, and I don't know anything about time. I've never heard of the concept of time before. And I've never heard of the concept even of what a watch is. And I take that thing home, and let's say, you know, hypothetically, I'm really smart. And and, uh, I spend the rest of my life studying that watch. And I take it apart and I, 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 I measure all of the gears and all of everything, every little piece of it, every little part of it. I scientifically understand every single aspect of how that watch works. But if I don't know what time is and I don't know what a watch is, I'll never know what that thing is for. And what we have is, is we have scientists that are running down never-ending pits trying to chase the why. When they have no idea who made the things that they're studying. They have no idea who made. Science has to start with an understanding of who made those things. I can't understand what a watch is if I don't know what a watch is. I can't understand why this stuff is set up this way unless I talk to the one who put it there, unless I understand the meaning and the purpose behind it. Science is the thumbprint of God. It's the, it's the evidence that he was here. It's the paint strokes that he left when he made it. okay. And the answers are not found in the paint strokes. The answers are not found in the thumbprint. The answers are found in the thumb. The answers are found in the hand that put the the paintbrush on the canvas. We have to start there. It has to start with God. C.S. Lewis, if you have this, let's put it up. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, in science, we have been reading only the notes to a poem. But in Christianity, we find the poem itself. Isn't that cool? In other words, science, it's it's discovering all of these random notes and random words and and saying, look, look, here's a C, here's a D, here's an E, here's a word, here's a word, here's a word. What does it mean? It means nothing. But Christianity puts it together and realizes that it's a poem, that it was meant to be something. So what is my point? My point is that the first problem that we see and why there's this polarization between religion and and, and science is because we've defined science to be something it was never meant to be. See, science was never meant to, 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 to tell you why you exist. Science was never meant to explain to you the why behind life, where you're going, why you have longings, why you love, why why we have morality. Science cannot explain those things. And and if if we think it can, then we need to understand that we're defining it wrongly. Now, there is just this stigma that I see in the scientific world, unfortunately, even just in the academic world, that if you believe in Christianity, then you must not be educated. If you don't believe in evolution, then you must just be an idiot. I mean, I, I, I hear it on the news all of the time when they get these experts up there, and, and they say just flippant things like about evolution. Like, it, if you don't believe in evolution, you must just be an idiot. I mean, you just must be straight up stupid. It's like they, they've, they've figured it all out, and they haven't proven anything, by the way. I can't get into all of that. I'm not going to get into all that. But what I do want to do is draw your attention to a verse. 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, go there. If not, it's on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. New Testament was written 2,000 years ago. And Paul just sticks it every time. I mean, he knows, right? He knows. The same stuff that was going on then is the same stuff that's going on now. Paul did the majority of his ministry in Greek cities where philosophy was king, where knowledge reigned supreme, okay? Where wisdom was the highest, where people would sit around all day in togas talking about different philosophies and all of these sorts of things. And Paul knew that, and Corinth was no different, right? So he wrote to Corinth in chapter 1, verse 18. He says this, he says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, listen, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through the wisdom, It pleased God that through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. What what Paul's saying, firstly, is that the wiser that you think that you are, the more intellectual that you think that you are, the more degrees that you have, is typically the dumber that you're going to get. Now, that's not a knock against education, okay? What that is saying, though, is that the more that you think that you know a part of, from the it factor, which is God, the dumber that you actually get because God confounds the wisdom of man. See, the issue is it, with, with, with our secular scientists, with, with people like Richard Dawkins, with these atheists that are so angry and so bent on destroying the theism, the issue is not that they're stupid. They're absolutely brilliant. They're abs- you think there's, there's a reason Richard Dawkins sold as many books as he did? He's brilliant, but he's absolutely blind. He's absolutely blind. And in his quote-unquote wisdom, he has been made foolish. And God is laughing. Who is this man that says he has all wisdom and knowledge in the universe to say that there is no God? It's foolishness. And then notice what Paul says in verse 21 again. He says, For since the wisdom of God, sorry, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of, of what we preach to save those who we believe, what is he talking about? The language of God is not academia. The language of God is not mathematics. The language of God is not science. It's not philosophy, it's not history. The language of God is a person. Do you know that? It's Jesus. You see, God wanted to communicate with his people. And he didn't do it through people that have the highest grade point averages. He didn't do it through people that, that got three, four, five degrees and spent their whole life in school. He did it through a person so that anybody can understand the language of a person. He did it through Jesus Christ, the word, the logos, the truth, the life. He walked, he breathed, he lived, he died, he rose, and we can communicate and we can relate with him and we can understand him more than any language more than any scientific thesis, because he's a person. God became flesh, right? And what Paul is saying is that it's through the folly, through the simplicity of a poor carpenter from Nazareth, dying on a cross, being murdered in the most embarrassing, brutal way that God communicated the point of life. It was not through evolution. It was not through science. It was not through. We didn't have to wait till 2016 to get all of our wisdom and knowledge to get God. He spoke the truth of life far before we had iPhones, but far before we could Google, right? And it wasn't spoken through an understanding of science. It was spoken through Jesus. That's good news for us. That's good news. Listen to this, Robert Jastrow. He's this Christian astrophysicist. The coolest quote ever. He says, For the scientist who has lived by his faith and the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He's, sailed, he's scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak as he pulls himself over the final rock. He's greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. I love that because it's just this concept of, of, of scientist Climbing a mountain, laboring to get to the top of the mountain just to get up there and notice there's another one, <laughs> and climbing the next one, and laboring just to get up there to realize that there's another one, and finally getting to the end and looking and seeing that it wasn't science that got them where they needed to be at all. It wasn't science. It was a person. It was Jesus. So here's what's exciting about this, okay? Am I a scientist? Absolutely not. Okay? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I know the point of life. I know the truth. I know why I breathe. I know why I was born. I know why the miracle of birth happened in my life, why God placed me where he placed me. I know it, and it's not because of science. Those answers are not found in science. Found in Jesus. My hope is found in him. Amen? So, I think the issue is, is our culture is making too much of science. They're looking for answers, and they're not going to find them. The second thing, the second thing that I see here, and we'll just touch on this briefly, not only is it a definition issue, okay, not only is it that we've defined science wrongly, but secondly, it's a worship issue, okay, it's a worship issue, these guys like Dawkins and, and these guys that I'm talking about, primarily these, the, these scientists that are just trying to not not disprove creationism, not disprove theism, but crush it, crush it, replace it, right? These, these scientists have this agenda to completely destroy creationism, to completely destroy theism. Why is that? I want to push on that a little bit. What is the deal with that? I want to explain something, okay? There's a difference between science and naturalism, okay? Science and naturalism. We, we talked about what science is. What naturalism is this, it's the belief that all things in life can and should only be explained through the discoveries and observations of science. You guys have probably heard Carl Sagan back in, was it the 70s or something, that really hokey video where he was on the beach and he's got a bad haircut. Um, he says, he says, the cosmos is all that is or ever was or ever will be, okay? The cosmos the universe is all that is, ever was, and all that ever will be. So naturalism is essentially um, the view that, that all that exists is natural things. The moon, the stars, our bodies, animals, th- those, are, those are all that exist. There's no supernatural element, there's no spiritual element, and to believe anything other than that is ridiculous, okay? That's naturalism. Now, why is it that those that hold to that view have this hostility towards Christianity? There's lots of reasons, okay? But I want to just point one of them out. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter one. Again, Paul nails it. He just nails it. Romans chapter one, verse 18. In his indictment against the sinfulness of man, this is what he says in verse 18. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Okay, stop right there. So in other words, Paul is saying that we can actually know that God exists just simply by looking at creation. What that means is that by looking at science, we can understand, or should understand, that there's a God. We should understand that there's a God. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Okay, the natural realm, the physical things. We can understand a lot about God simply through science. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, now, Now zoom in right here, verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And what did they do? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts and impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Verse 25. Because, what? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. I cannot think of a better explanation For the science obsessed, evolutionary obsessed, cosmos universalist obsessed, naturalist whatever obsessed community, than this. They're worshiping the creation. All that has ever been is the cosmos. All that ever will be is the cosmos. What a miserable existence. The cosmos doesn't love me. (laughs) The universe doesn't care about me. Mother Earth is not a mother. It's a big rock. Tell me Mother Earth loves you when a tsunami crushes you, okay? There, there's no heartbeats to that. There's no heartbeat to that. But what's happening here is the same thing that's happened over and over again. It's the same thing that happened with American Indians, with the Egyptians. They begin to worship creation. It's the same thing that happens in our culture when we worship material things. We worship our money. We worship our stuff, our position, our comfort, our house, our car, our kids. We worship things, rather than the source of the things, okay? Rather than the source of the things. It's exactly what is happening in our culture. People say things like, I only believe in science. I believe in whatever science can prove. I believe in the universe. I believe the universe has a plan. I believe evolution has a plan. What, what does that even mean? The point of what, what this, what has happened is, it's not science, listen, it's not science versus religion. It's religion versus religion. Because what they're preaching is a religion. Let me explain what I mean by that. Every religion has three things. Okay, um, if you want to start a religion, take notes. Okay, three things. You have to have a purpose in life. Okay, you have to have some sort of some source of truth. Right? Um, oh no, I'm going to forget what the third one is. Let me start with those two. You have to have a purpose in life. Okay, what is the purpose of life? In the religion of science, evolution. It's to evolve wow, what a cheery, I'm gonna get up tomorrow and I'm gonna evolve. And if I die, hey, it's cool, it's all for evolution and the next person will be better off for it even though I'll be dead. Um, okay, so your purpose in this religion is, is evolution. Um, what is your source of truth? Uh, science. Okay, so for us it's the Bible, for them it's science. So whatever science is, goes. That's our only source of truth. So if science can't prove there's heaven, I don't believe there's heaven. What is their God? Creation, universe. You know, what, you know what their ultimate God really is? It's themselves. It's themselves. Naturalism worships self. It's a way to say, great, now I get to be in charge because if there's no God, there's no one to tell me not to do what I don't want to do. And as simplistic as it sounds, it's pretty much what most of us want. It's just to do what we want to do. So if I can have a religion in which I'm not accountable to God and I get to do whatever I want, science is my Bible, evolution is my point in life, It's a miserable existence. It's a miserable existence. So what we're seeing right now, just to try to bring clarity, we're not seeing science versus religion. We're actually seeing a religion fighting another religion. Naturalism and evolution and and atheism is a religion. It is. All the markings of a religion. It's nothing new. It's nothing new at all. We have to realize that. So, what do we do with that? how should we as Christians view science? Um, Just a couple things. I want to end on this note. Uh, How should we as Christians view science? Number one, I think we should view it with complete support and complete interest. The dumbest thing we could do as Christians is to say, I don't need science. I have Jesus. You're right. You don't need science, you have Jesus. But what are you talking about? Science is amazing. I mean, science opens up doors to understand the power and the glory of God like you would not believe. No one should be more into science than Christians, because it shows us. I mean, every time they find a new species, every time they find a new star, every time they find a new black hole or a new galaxy, every time they have some new breakthrough in the way our bodies work, um, we should just be, like, astounded, because... It reveals even greater the glory of the God that we serve, the God that has control over our lives, the God that loves us. I mean, we should be science geeks, right? Some of the greatest scientists in history were Christians. Just a few. Uh, Galileo, the father of modern science, was a Christian. Blaise Pascal, Isaac Newton, Lord William Kelvin. He famously said this. He says, if you study science deep enough and long enough, it will force you to believe in God. Man, we should be for science. We should be for scientists. What we should be against is the religion of naturalism, the religion of atheism. But we should be for science because we have the key to understanding science. We have the key to get it. We should view it with intrigue, with awe, with wonder. We should also be ready to be surprised, okay? And this is the thing I feel like as Christians, sometimes we're so, you know, we used to think the world was flat. You know that? <laughs> I mean, we were dead set on it. Like Christopher Collin, you're an idiot, dude. What are you talking about? The world's flat. It's not flat. Oh, no. We used to think we're the center of the universe, you know? I mean, we used to think a lot of things. We used to think that bleeding people was a good idea, okay? Uh, we, don't our, we don't anchor our faith ultimately to our present scientific understanding. Okay, there's a lot of debate right now in, in the Christian world. Maybe you've seen it between creation. Was it literal? Was it really six days? Is the earth 6,000 years old or is it billions of years old? I mean, is there really credibility to the age the, the, the age of the earth that these scientists are saying? Was there a gap in between? Was there a lot of time after, after God created the heavens and the earth before he actually cultivated it in six years? Is each day actually represent an age? I mean, there's big debates out there about this kind of stuff. And the reality is, guys, is we don't know anything. I know... A couple things. Jesus rose from the grave. He died for my sins. God is in control and all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. But I don't know if the earth is old or young, and I'm not gonna die on that hill, honestly, because we are dumb. We don't even understand how our bodies work fully. I mean, we think we're so advanced. There's so many things about in science that we still don't even understand. So just be careful where we anchor our faith to and be ready to be surprised, Okay. Be ready to be surprised because I guarantee there's some things that science may reveal that you're going to go, what? That's insane. That's insane. But it's not going to shake your faith. It's going to make you, well, man, God is huge. You hear about black holes and space and galaxies. I mean, that is insane. We serve a big God. Really, 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 really big God who is insanely creative and insanely smart. And he cares about us. What is man that makes mindful of us? Psalm 19.1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. It's good stuff. And one last thing: a lot of people argue also about science in, in, in regards to uh, the Bible's disproved because there's miracles in it, right? Bible, how can you believe the Bible? You know, Jesus rose someone from the grave. I mean, He walked on water, multiplied bread and fishes, turned water into wine, healed a withered hand. How do you believe that? How do you believe in the supernatural in the mirror? I just believe in whatever's natural. Okay, you're going to hear that a lot as you talk to your non-Christian friends. But can we be honest for a second? What, what institutes a supernatural thing? Because I'm pretty sure the fact that my wife married me is supernatural, for one. Um, the fact that a baby, two of them actually, grew in her belly and watching that happen was the most supernatural thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, watching that baby come, I was, I was crying, it was supernatural. The fact that my lungs are working right now, the fact that my brain is telling my body to do it without even thinking about it is supernatural. So what is supernatural? I mean, science does not lead us to the natural. Can I can I just disagree with that? Science leads us to the supernatural. Because nothing that science shows us is natural. It's insane. We don't even understand how the world works. What is making things happen? What, how is it even possible that this world is set up for life? How, the, the odds of that are zero. Uh, uh, the chances of our world being set up in the way that it is for life is absolutely insurmountable. It's absolutely supernatural. And science is not about the natural. It should be about the supernatural. So why are we shocked when we see the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who breathes stars, speaking in the waves obey him. Why are we shocked at that? I mean, what is supernatural? I'll just leave you with that. Um, just think about this this week. Think about it, and, and I think that um, I think we need to be humble. I think we need to be humble. There's some guys that get up and just thrash evolution, and, and, and in a way that I think is really kind of like missing the point. It's about getting the gospel to these guys. You know, um, it's not about getting up and, and, uh, and saying that you're dumb if you believe that the earth is old. It's about saying, hey, you need Jesus. So let's be careful how we talk to people about this stuff too. Our coworkers, our friends, they, they believe in evolution. Most people do. We're the, sort of the minority now in that. 55% of Americans actually think that science and the Bible disagree. That's the majority. So, but let's be loving. Let's bring him Jesus Let's tell them the truth. Amen? We got some questions, Walter? I hope they're not about science. Okay. I've heard from people that they believe God allowed evolution to take place. What are your thoughts on this? How could I biblically portray this not to be true? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, that is a pretty prominent view, actually, that God, um, if I'm reading this correctly, that God actually used evolution um, to create uh, the world. Um, I, I think it, you know, I can't give you all the scientific aspects of it, but I can say that in Genesis, it seems fairly clear that God created um, Adam and Eve. <laughs> he didn't create millions of years of evolution uh, and then Adam and Eve. Um, so I think that's that's somewhat obvious. Also, there's there's an issue of sin there, too, um, death came after sin right um and if evolution is based on death uh through the process of of dying and and, and then you know things natural adaptation etc then i don't see necessarily how um that would make any sense if death came after sin um and god used evolution in order to get to adam and eve doesn't really add up to me does that make sense so maybe that's just a couple couple little arguments um next if the whole Bible was to point us to Jesus slash God, same thing, so you know, uh, does it matter how God created us? Could there be a mechanistic God, did I read that right, uh, that took millions of years to create the heavens and earth? Um, that's the question that I've been thinking about all week, actually. Um, the, the, our faith is not anchored to A literal six-day creation our faith is not anchored necessarily to the fact that the the earth is six thousand years old or whatever the traditional view is Um, and no i don't i don't think that necessarily matters but i do think that evolution in and of itself is a worldview Um, i don't think that in fact i know that when darwin sought out uh, to to find answers he was actually running away from christianity He, he had a hard time with suffering and he was trying to get answers to that um, I don't know how he landed on evolution. He went to the Galapagos Islands, whatever. Um, but I think ultimately, um, evolution in and of itself is a worldview. I think it, it's hard to, to separate the two. Um, there's a few guys out there, Tim Keller and some, and some different guys, that would say that yeah, I think that you could still believe in evolution and still be—I think you still be a Christian for sure. But I think it's dangerous, honestly, um, because it kind of just takes—it um, kind of just takes a small. I'll say this: it, 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 it's like. Bending to whatever you, you, um, it's bending to whatever our culture is saying, rather than being willing to say, "I'm, I'm going to take the Bible at what it really says." Um, so I mean, our, our scientists are smart, but they're not that smart, okay? And we, they really don't know that much. And so, I, to me, it feels like a cop. It's called it's called theistic evolution is the name for it. The people that believe in evolution and believe in um, uh, in God at the same time. And and I get it. I think they could still be Christians. Absolutely. Um, but I think the whole kind of point of evolution and the, the, the appeal of evolution is it kind of eliminates having to answer to a God. Um, I think it's really hard to combine the two personally. So I, I think you can, yeah, still be a Christian. I think the point of the Bible absolutely is Jesus on the cross. Um, evolution, uh, I think, is completely wrong and it's it's really just wrong. <laughs> um, obviously, there's evolution that we know is right, okay? Um, certain kinds of evo- evolution, but is that it? <laughs> Is it possible that some of the problem between science and religion is due to hyperliteralist approach to biblical text? Those are big words, guys. Come on. Uh, let me read it one more time. Is it possible that some of the problem between science and religion is due to hyper-literalist approach to biblical? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's there's uh, the big debate around Genesis, um, the creation account of Genesis is, is it literal or is it poetic? because it reads very poetic in fact um, I think it's starting in chapter three it starts to tell the story again and in sort of a different light from a different angle and it gets a little confusing in there and so a lot of people actually use that to 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 say that it's not a young earth that it is an old earth and that that God did it over a long period of time um, and so I think that that it, there can be danger in holding too strictly to um, what Genesis 1 through three says as far as like no it's one day it's one day it's one day just because we just don't really have. The proof for that, and again, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think if God, if if God made the earth and it actually took billions of years, but He did it in, you know, He wanted to call it six days. Um, I don't really care. <laughs> does, does that matter that much to me? It doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I think evolution is an entirely different story. But whether the earth is old or young, yeah, I think, um, I think that's kind of the the um, the rub, though. Is is should we hold to it really tight, literally? The scary thing for people, the reason they don't want to let go of the really literal six day creation, is because if they do that. And then may have to let go of other things, right? And, and that's the scary part. So if, if we say, oh, well, maybe it's not really six days. Well, then maybe it's not a lot of things in the Bible. So we have to be careful, I think, about that, too, at the same point about, about, you know, slapping too much, of trying to make science, current science, fit with the Bible. So at the end of the day, I mean, God's outside of time, right? I mean, he's like, you know, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. I was predestined and, and before, I'm not getting, getting, getting into that, but, I mean, God is outside of time. I mean, he's big, so... I don't really care if it took him six million years to do it. I mean, um, but I do believe that mankind has only been around for, you know, 6,000 years or so, personally. So, is that it? Okay, cool, survived. So, thanks for thanks for hanging out, guys. I love Wednesday nights, man. Wednesday nights are so fun. I'm really excited for this next series we're gonna go through. Um, a little bit of the why behind that series. Um, we want to, as Christians, we just want to be growing um, constantly. We want to be learning um, what it looks like to grow closer to the Lord. And, and some of these things, I think, are things that uh, maybe we don't think about very often, um, such as fasting. Like, how often do I think about fasting, right? How often do we talk about that? Um, and, and so I think it'll be interesting to dig into that and really figure out, like, man, what does the Bible really say about that? And, and some of these subjects, um, uh, again, like the biblical worldview series, we're going to just take a subject. We're going to really hammer it and get into it. I know it's a little different than our verse-by-verse, but think is beneficial. Bible doesn't say anywhere that we have to go verse by verse. That's a Calvary Chapel thing. So um, we're going to do, you know, keep doing this on Wednesday nights for a while, and then we'll go from there. So let's pray together, shall we? God, I thank you so much uh, for your grace. Uh, really, science is just grace. It's just grace upon grace upon grace. Lord, that that we have air in our lungs, that our hearts are working, that blood is pumping, that our minds are working, that our emotions are firing, that all of these things happening right now, electricity is burning and heaters are going, it's all science and it's all grace, it's all your common grace and your saving grace, Lord, so thank you for being a big God, a God that that is worthy of us um, examining through science, God, I pray you would give us clarity on these issues, Lord, as we are beaten and battered, uh, Lord, from all angles, um, thought of as as, as less intelligent uh, for for believing in something like this, Lord, help us to hold fast our faith to you, Jesus, to anchor our souls to, to you and your love for us and what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for this church, God, Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a good one. So again, Christmas Eve, candlelight service, 6.30 Thursday, we'll see you guys there.